Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. If you're looking for the best cables that you can buy, head on over to sinusoid.com. They make cables and smiles and they make this show possible, which is one of the biggest reasons to support them. They support this programming that you like here on 60 Cycle PBS. Uh, <laughs> every Saturday morning, we give you uh, Stephen Ryan Street, where puppets hang out with Stephen Ryan and play awful guitars. Big thanks to Sinusoid Cables for making all that programming possible. Uh, and stay tuned later tonight for Lawrence Welk with Electric Guitars. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. That was very clean. I think that's the best one you've done in a while. I feel like I dropped one out. I think I think I think you you switched the order of two. What what happens anytime, This is boring. No one wants to hear this. Most, most times I mess up, it's because I second guess myself. Yeah, yeah. Remember a couple of years ago when I got everyone at NAM to do the intro for oh us? Oh my gosh. We had 40 of them. Yeah, it was a full year's worth. That it was, was crazy. great. Yeah. But it, it was extra editing for me, so I don't miss it. I'll say that. And also, like, I feel like if I went and did it again, it'd be a lot of the same people. That's you know, there's true. only at so this many point, people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I could get I could get a couple new people. I'm we could sure. get all of the guitar nerds. Yeah, I could get that. that would actually be great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is this is coming out after we went to Nam, but I'm writing that down as a thing that maybe I want to do. Hey Ryan. Yeah. I don't have anything new, but maybe you do. I do have something kind of new. Uh, a while back, I did another Epiphone SL video, and I might even have a new one by now. And I commented on. In the video and on the Facebook group that maybe it would be uh, uh, my last SL video for a while. Mm -hmm. I was feeling a little burnt out on it. And I just got a comment from someone on YouTube that I felt like I wanted to read just because it like tickled me so pink. And I'm usually pretty pink already on the YouTube channel. Uh, so this guy said, seriously, mate, this is epic. Love what you've done here with this plank of wood. It even sounds pretty decent, too. This is probably a first in the history of modding where a guitar has gone up in value instead of down. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. It's maybe gone up to like being like worth $120. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, there isn't much more you can do, though. Really, is there? I say rubber down to the knuckle. Let's see what she's hiding underneath that garish coat of turquoise, blue, green, aqua, whatever probably, the F you call probably it. Probably plywood. Warts and all. Let's have it. You are the Jesus of the guitar mod, and your guitar shall die for all our guitar sins. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Take a black... <laughs> it gets better. Take a black and decker to the bitch, I say. Strip her down and sand her off. Keep it classy, of course. Maybe a little tint or stain on her otherwise naked form. Just to help pronounce the grain a bit more. Is there is any grain indeed under there? It's possible that there's not much grain there. You know you want to. I've had it in for this guitar since you took it out of the box. Immediate buyer's remorse. Oh my god! Since and you have just been metaphorically beating it like a redheaded stepchild. <laughs> Sorry if this is a touchy subject for you. <laughs> Make it good. Make it pay. Let's face it. You can't, Make it pay. You can't send it back now. You've totally cooked it. 
There is more mileage and entertainment yet in this guitar than any of us have ever dreamed of in our philosophies. You are the only one doing this. The guitar community needs you. Hell, someone will probably make a Hitler parody video of this soon. What? If they haven't already. In quotations. All those oh, is that the that's the yeah. the da- the the where they changed the captions yeah. on the clip from down? Here it is in quotations. All those who thought it was a good idea to spend three hundred dollars on modding an effing a hundred bucks guitar, step out of the room now. <laughs> but my fewer <laughs> pull it the f together, Ada. It was only a cheap Epiphone <laughs> to start with. The journey has just begun. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Pretty much the most epic comment I've ever gotten on a YouTube video before. It's a little dark. It's a little dark, but it's so great. And it's the thing I commented back was, good pep talk, coach. <laughs> but I totally feel like I owe it to him now to make at least like two or three more videos of this dumb guitar. That I'm so over with. But like, to be honest, like the last video did is sitting at like 14,000 views What's on left it. for you to do with that? Uh, I talked about, well, I do need to do a video because I did uh, fix the nut a bit because mm. the nut action was too high. Um, I talked about taking the, the uh, I know someone's beating something upstairs, Ta- taking the uh, the big speed Sorkin style bridge off, dowling, right. dowling the holes and then putting in a real tunomatic style ah, bridge to get full that like, would be interesting. intonation controls. Because that... You know, I've never done stuff like that before, and I think that's become the spirit of this guitar is me experimenting on things I've never done. Yeah. Um, I'm a little worried to drill holes like that because I know I'll get them off center. Well, I mean, as long as it's not too far off center, I think you're okay. You just need to, after you dowel it, you're going to have to measure, yeah, like remeasure that position. You think someone would make a kit that would allow you to transform? the holes required for a stop tail bridge into a tunomatic just for this purpose. Like what's the company that makes the, the plates for big speeds? Vibramate. Vibramate. You think they would make this? I'm going to talk to them at NAM. I'm going to talk to them. Are they I, I have an idea. Are they usually at NAM? They were at summer NAM. Mm, I think they cool. share a booth with a few other people. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the episode. Let's make yeah. this one a quick one. Last time was like a hour 20. It was bad. Uh, first ad, you want to jump into it? Yeah, this first ad was sent by Javier Herrera. He came to our 200th episode. Yeah, he did. And he's in the inner circle. Um, this is a Jay Mascus thing. I'm trying to find it. Oh, there we go. Oh, speaking Jay Mascus Squire with Masterbridge and Tremolo, Duncan Antiquities pickups. What you got? I was going to, you, you finish this and we'll do it in housekeeping. All right. We got a lot of housekeeping because I forgot to do it last week. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Why would I pay $12.50 for a Squire? Because you're a- stupid. Answer. This one comes with a Mastery Bridge and Tremolo. It also has Seymour Duncan Antiquity pickups installed. I had the wiring harness replaced as well. When the pickup selector is in the middle position and you flip on the rhythm circuit, the pickups are put in series for a more humbucker-like sound. I'm trying to get an electric 12-string, so I'm selling this one. I might be willing to trade for a Reverend 12-string. I had this. I had the guys at Mike and Mike's Guitar Bar do the work. This isn't my guitar, but you can hear another Jay Mascus with Mastery Bridge and Duncan Antiquities that they did here. And there's a link. Um, so this was done at Mike and Mike's. Mike and Mike's, but this is being sold out of Houston. Is it Mike and Mike's in like Seattle? Yeah, but you can ship stuff around. Steve, did okay. you know about that? You know that you can put guitar Wait, in a box what, and what is send it somewhere else. What is shipping? <laughs> Free ship. What is? <laughs> What is what is shipping, Precious? So I wonder if this reflects what he paid to have the work done. 
and he's trying to break even or if he's trying to cut a profit because this is pretty dang steep. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the more pricier versions of the Squire Jazzmaster, the J Massus. But, but even that, like, the J Massus was like 400. Yeah, it's tops. still like super. I, th- I think affordable. it was less than that. This guy's like trying to triple down on this. Also, he spells Squire wrong several times and mastery. Oh, he I, spelled I it Master Bridge <laughs> in the title. <laughs> So squirey with master bridge and tremolo, tremolo, tremolo. Uh, Say it right. <laughs> I get flack on that so much. Uh, it looks like the Jamascus was four fifty brand new. So used. You know they have good resale. So here, here's. I bet you, I bet you get four hundred for a good actually, condition. That one. actually gives me more fuel to the fire. Throw it on the fire, man. Four fifty. What's a mastery? Three hundred. Yeah, but he also did the the tremolo. It's not oh, just the, so it's two parts. So what's yeah. that like five hundred? Yeah. So that puts us puts us at nine fifty, and then he paid for a and custom the pickups, wiring, the pickups, and the, the pickups, antiquities. Yeah, I mean, I guess like everything. He's trying to break even on this. Everything is yeah. If you're trying to break even, but like we've said before, anytime you do an upgrade. You have to subtract the value of the replaced hardware. Yeah, and and half these upgrades are really side grades. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The everything on here is is premium. I mean, and honestly, I'm not I'm not going to knock mastery, and I'm not no. going to ma- knock Seymour Duncan. But the reality is, is there's at least somewhat of a side grade here. You know, um, this isn't just. Well, I think the original dollar value of the guitar negates all these upgrades. Well, even if this was like a Fender American, you put a Fender American jazz master, I suppose someone you put all could, these upgrades on it. It doesn't make a, yeah. a, a $1,400 guitar. suddenly a $2,000. Someone guitar. could look at this the same way. I look at my vintage modified jazz master in that I could sell the jazz master and put stock hardware back on it and mm-hmm. still have gotten a mastery for way cheaper. Like someone could look at this and like, oh, I'll just harvest those antiquities and the mastery stuff and slap in, you know, a squire kit that I got off of eBay for fifty bucks. Right, and, but then you're gonna have, sell have the hardware. But then you're then you're gonna sell it for three hundred and all of that hardware put together isn't gonna yeah, be worth that's true nine hundred dollars. No, he's shooting way too high. Absolutely. A squire there's gotta be something really ridiculous going on for a squire to actually be worth this amount of money, and he's not hitting it. He's just not hitting it. Like you've got to like embed diamonds into it or like, like it's got to be full of cocaine or something like that. You know, maybe it is full of cocaine. Maybe this is a will not sell price because he's using it to smuggle drugs across the country through reverb. Um, and the, the thing I was going to say earlier is that the J Mascus Squire is already such a great guitar stock. You really don't need these mods. And it's, if you're spending that amount of money to get these mods, you're starting to get in the neighborhood where you should really just be hiring a guitar builder to make you exactly what you want. Right. Like this guy should have thrown $500 more into the pot and talked to even, you know, like a, a parts builder that uses MJT parts or something like that. Sure, sure. And it would have gotten him exactly where he wanted to be. And he would have had better resale value on it too because it's not a squire. I'm honestly yeah, surprised. This is just this is just rough. I'm honestly surprised he didn't rebadge the headstock too, because that's more of what you would expect out of this sort of thing. I kind of wish um, we had the original link, uh, 
So we could see if it's sold. <laughs> I bet I could find it on Reverb. I'm literally doing that right okay, now. You do it right now then. Um, so I don't know if we have anything left to say on this or if you just want... Nope, still twelve fifty plus shipping. Yeah, no one's going to buy that. Maybe this is one of those things that we've talked about before where it's like the wife wants him to sell it before he buys another thing. Yeah. It's like, honey, I listed it and no one's buying it. I don't know what's going on. And it's just like his, like, I hope it doesn't sell price. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a really good chance that that's what's going on here. It's totally possible. At, at least a moderate chance where maybe... He's even... The picture where, has the empty spot next to it where he wants his 12-string to go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Whether it's a spouse or, or someone else, like, maybe it's him, himself. I mean... Him just, like, fooling himself. Ha, have you ever sold a piece of... Or have you ever listed a piece of gear thinking, like, I'm going to list this at a at a price that, like, I don't really, like... No, because every time I cross that barrier of selling, it's like, yeah, I want to sell it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, never, I'm honest with myself. You've never been on the fence with something and been like, well, if I can get it's this almost, much... It's almost like once I list it, that piece of gear is dead to me. It's, like, mm. already sold in my mind. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. That's my mentality towards it anyways. Uh, let's move on to the topic, yeah, which spins this, into this. This is my topic. Um, this is kind of in the wake of the fathom from Walrus Audio. Um, this is a thing I was thinking about, and I wanted to ask you since you're a little more in touch with, uh, not uh, maybe not see with, how you link this to the fathom, maybe not with trends, but but just with with the this effect type in general. Um, it's 2018. Is the reverb game over? What's left? Are we talking? Wait, I thought we were talking about reverb.com, not reverb pedals. No, I was talking about reverb pedals. Really? Yeah, I messaged you about this like a week ago. Oh, I totally misinterpreted. I know there's there's still a gap for like spring and drip. Okay, but I don't know if there's really a market there. Yeah, it's a very limited market, and I feel like that market needed to be hit like two years ago. Cause like all the like indie bands were like using uh reverb units and using that sound in studio mm-hmm. uh, to get various sounds. I get what you're, where you're going with this. I really thought we were going to talk about reverb.com. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yes. The, the, the fathom is going to kill Re- reverb.com. I didn't know you, we didn't talk about the fathom in the pre up oh, here. I thought, I thought you- we were talking about like, you know, like the, like that the flip game is dying off no i th- I, I mean the flip game is definitely slowed down because i have not found a deal on craigslist in forever i know right and i think that's really the the we're not talking about this you have a totally different topic in mind no no, no. okay so so, so to, let's talk about reverb pedals to, in general to, to flesh this out a little better um you know for for a while i'm confused i was confused on the show this is a first i've never been confused for like this a while before. the uh the strymon big sky uh-huh. Or the the smaller version, the Blue Sky, have been kind of the go to, and then you have reverbs from different companies um, that do different things. Uh, MXR put out a reverb not too long ago that was kind of a that at least some people thought was a bit of an industry disruptor because um, it just did a lot. But when I saw the Fathom, given that the Fathom was so similar conceptually to the the ARP 87, right. Which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. In its implementation. As soon as I saw the fathom and what was going on, I thought reverb's done. Like what, what's left? What else can be done? What can be done? And, and of well, course I think there's always, I mean, as a reverb connoisseur, 
Right, and I, that's why I wanted to get your take on this. Yeah. It's the same as overdrives and fuzzes. I mean, how many tube screamers and big muffs do we need? Sure. Every company is going to come out with one. But reverbs, to my understanding, are a bit more complicated to build because yeah. it's not just throwing yeah. on clipping diodes to make a crunchy sound. I mean, at the simplest, you're you're building something based on the the uh, belt and brick, which, yeah. which I don't know. Not what, every reverb pedal does that. No, and, and some, some are based... I would say the the majority of reverbs on the market right now are either built on the Belton brick or they're built on an FV1 sure, spin sure. chip. Um, I don't even know what that is, so it's just you know more it's, than I do. It's DSP. Okay, so so the belt the Belton brick is is what I don't know where I was going with that. Right, uh, but people, yeah, I haven't usually those for one sure, of those two things. People are saying that there's a Belton brick in the Big Ear L which I'm a big fan of the sound of that pedal and in the uh, JHS spring tank and which I totally get. They both have that kind of like bouncy reverb trail, like yeah. pre delay sort of thing going on. But I'll say like, like I was saying, it's the same as overdrives and fuzzes. Yeah. Reverbs do kind of the same thing, but even though if they do have this component, even though the L and the spring tank have that same thing going on, they have com- completely different tonal characteristics right it's not just you you can't think of reverb as just oh it's a you know mechanically simple effect that it's going to sound the same if it's got the same parameters like they have different tonalities they have different ways they respond each builder like kind of makes them a little bit different like the 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 spring tank is uh, a little bit more transparent. It's a little drier. It's not as high character. Where the L is this really kind of like dark, high character, like more vintage sounding kind of reverb. Like there's, right. There's a big character difference. And then you bring in the uh, the Fathom, and that's like the way I use it is it's like an ambience machine. It's just mm. dark and moody, and it doesn't like pre delay or drip at all really it has pre-delay setting but it's like it's interesting because there's a delay to when the reverb starts but it like sweeps into that delay like you like you do your pluck and it goes and then the reverb trail starts like it's it's like feels like it's sucking air out of the room it's really interesting so i'd say it's like yeah, there's a lot of pedals out there with a wide variety of feature sets for reverb yeah but i don't think reverb is done at all as an effect. I think there's a lot to be done, especially in uh, the DSP stuff that's coming out now. I think when someone cracks how to make a realistic or at least functional drip sound and mm-hmm. it becomes more common knowledge how to do that, I think we're going to see well, like, I, uh, builders like experiment with that a lot more. Given that I feel like nobody's really gone after that, I wonder if there's a technology limitation there. I think it's just really hard. You don't think it? You think the technology can do it? Yeah, okay. Bo- Boss has done it with the FRV one. Uh, yeah, there's there's true. something to be desired in in parts of that. It kind of gives you a filtering sound, and if you're really really listening to it, you realize that it's a triggered effect. Right. It's not like a real response to your playing. Well, it's a response to your playing, but it's like when you use a real Fender tank, like the drip is in key with what you're playing where with the FRV one, it's not in key with what you're playing, really? but it, you still get 
that drip sound, which is enough. Like, it's impressive. I'm really, because TC Electronic is adding a reverb pedal called the Drip to their smorgasbord line. And I'm really, yeah. really looking forward to checking it out. I was listening to their launch demo. Have of you it. talked to them already? I have. Cool. I have. It's not, they don't have production models right. for it yet. Um, you think I the, would know this given that I see all the emails? I know, right? That doesn't mean you read them all. I don't. Um, in the production, in the in the uh, the the launch video for it, it does sound like there's a drip in there, like an honest goodness drip. So I'm wondering what it's actually going to be like. They didn't play with it the way I would have liked them to play to show off that drip, right? But it doesn't sound like pre-delay. It sounds like a, you know, I can't believe I did that first try. I'm I don't even know how to do that. You like flick your your cheek and yeah, like I know thing. there's like a flicking thing going on, Ryan. You just flick the thing and then everybody's <laughs> happy or whatever. But yeah, I, I I think that's wraps it up. I think there's totally more you can do. And but I think everything you can do programming wise as far as like parameters you control has been done. Right. But that's you could say the same thing for fuzz and overdrive and delay and everything else. Like is delay done? Like you could have said that delay was done with the DL four, you know? <laughs> But there's been tons of stuff people have done with delays. Yeah, then. yeah. I think there were. I mean, the DL4 had had some sh- some shortcomings. That's going to bleed sure. into our next topic. But uh, I understand what you're saying. Like, anytime somebody says, "Oh, this is the this is the killer," there's always another killer. Right. There's well, always like you there's can, always something else. It's like a Swiss Army knife analogy. Yeah. Um, you get a Swiss Army knife, and you're like this is a tool killer. Like, I don't need any other tools. I've got all these tools at my disposal. I never need to buy a saw. I never need to buy a knife. I never need to buy scissors ever again. I've just got them all now. And then you realize, I really need, a, like, a specialized knife. I need better scissors. I need this and that. You can get, right, right. get these pedals that are packed full of features, but then you realize, I'm really only using two of these settings, and I'd like a pedal that expands on that sound and just focuses on that sound. And I think that's something that we could get. I would love a full featured like drip modeling reverb pedal that gives me full control over the drip beyond what a Fender tank offers. Because a Fender tank just has three knobs. Well, and a Fender tank also weighs what, like 20, 30 pounds? Yeah, it just takes up a ton of space too. But I'd love to have like Something with like six knobs on it where I can control maybe like the mix of the drip against the mix of the trail and, you know, the tone of the drip and the tone of the trail, things like that. Like get really specific with it and build my own sound out of it. Steve is having a hiccup attack. Over yeah, here. I was about to, about to say I, I have bad news. <laughs> What's your bad news? I have the, the, I hiccups? Have the, hic- the hiccups. <laughs> Do we need to pause for a second so you can catch no, up? No, let's, uh, let's fight through it. <clears throat> okay. This is something that has popped up recently. It's not yeah. an ad found on like the used market, but people have been posting about it, and I've been seeing it uh, yeah. around the interwebs. Mark, Mark Swartz posted this. He says, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say what he says, but Jackson Ampworks is now selling D. Oh, wow. You want to take a break? Uh, maybe. Let's take a break. Right, we're back. Uh, Steve had to go, like, run a lap and use the bathroom and eat a bunch of pickles. Like, he did all the tricks in the book to get rid of hiccups, and we finally 
conquered the beast. I think I think I can do this. <laughs> We're going to make it to the end of the episode, guys. <laughs> All right, so this was posted to the Facebook group. It's basically the ad that came out for these DIY cabinet kits you can buy from Jackson Audio. What do you think about this, Steve? I don't, I don't like this triangle. You don't like the triangle. That's no. like the shape of their cab, though. I know. That's their thing. There's a little triangle dipped down in front of the speaker. So I can appreciate that, um, that, that it's ported. It's got the front ports on the sides. Um, $300? I don't know. Do you think that's a good price? I think you can get a finished cab for that price. But will it be ported? better. No, it probably won't be ported. You might be able to find a local woodworker who will do something similar. But uh, the comment that I liked on this that uh, that Tavo made from Nocturne Braid Pedals hmm. was like, wrapping cabinets with cloth is like the worst thing you could do to yourself. Like the glue just sticks to everything. It sticks to It doesn't stick to anything but your hands and your face, and it just makes you hate life. So you think really like, selling this for $300 like whatever the remainder amount on that is is what the cost of of, fin- of doing the finishing work on this I would, would be. I would rather pay someone $600 to build something similar than do the kit and then like really fudge up the finishing on it you know like wrapping it in Tolex and everything like maybe if you find right. a, to do the kit as like a woodworking thing and leave it raw and like just put a light stain on it instead of wrapping it in fabric like they usually do another thing i was thinking about steve is still fighting the hiccups over here are you gonna make it yep (laughs) (laughs) i think this is the second time you've had bad hiccups i'm working on it oh man i'm pushing my microphone really far away from me anytime i'm not talking (laughs) (laughs) another thing i was thinking about is if a bunch of people buy these and they do an okay job of doing the wrap on them, are they then later going to try to sell them on the used market as just a regular Jackson cab? Even if they don't, if you go in as a Jackson clone, what's your price point? You're asking me what I would pay for a Jackson clone? Well, not... Or what I would sell a Jackson clone for? Not you. I'm just saying, you know, in in general, how... Say from a, from a percentage perspective, how high can you go? I'm not following you. What are you asking? <laughs> this episode is completely off the rails right now. <laughs> I'm saying they're selling a kit. Right. And... In the case of woodworking, you're selling dimension, um, dimensions. So, say Cassidy buys one of these. Oh, and then he uses it as a template. Yeah. Oh. I mean, technically, you could do that with anything, though. You could go buy a Marshall cab and take the Tolex off and measure the whole thing. Right, but if it's a PCB, you still have to, to figure figure out how to manufacture <laughs> those PCBs. This is the worst because I'm I'm... I'm here. Right. You're not drunk or anything. You're like, I just have this gnarly case of hiccups. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, is it just a cab? It's not an amp. 
It's not an amp kit. It's just a cab. So there's no PCB. Yeah, yeah. Maybe at the most there's a little bit of work around where the um, hookups are. Right. But I, th- I think the idea... I, don't, I think the idea here is that you get a box full of all the wood parts and then you glue them together. Like it doesn't come as an as a put together cab like that. It's a kit. Sure. But let me ask this question. It's like building a birdhouse. Based on the pictures, is Tolex worth $500? Because that's what they charge for a finished cab? So a one by by 12 dual ported cab on jacksonampworks.com is $800. Right. This is $300. So that's what I want to get at is, is would I, would I, everything aside from a, from a construction, from a construction perspective, if you were again, like a, a, geez, I can't breathe. (laughs) If you were Cassidy. Yes. Who's built for us. Yeah. Um, I can probably do that. Dot com. Not really. Right. He doesn't have um, a website yet. No, Look him doesn't. up on Instagram. I can probably but, do that. Uh, um, you know, if it, basically for him, this would be a $300 instruction template. And then everything else, maybe he would do raw or he would do just complete, like completed raw or, or with some basic finishing. Jackson is basically saying, we will sell you our, our kit with all of the wood for $300 for what we sell with Tolex, which Tolex isn't expensive. But Do, the their, wor- do their expensive cabs come loaded with a speaker? Oh, a speaker. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Do their DIYs? They, it's I just don't a cabinet? Know. I don't have any information on it. There's not a speaker in the picture. Hmm. So maybe that's the difference too, because it like even, but then you could load any speaker you want in there. You might already yeah, have a speaker. But but speakers, if you want something decent, it's going to cost you at least at least a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, I so just, that is a good that is a good point, and that basically defeats my argument. I look at this, and it, this is not a simple cab to wrap and Tolex. No, it's, it's not complicated. But if you're bored or you're really good. But if you're really good at wrapping Tolex, you're probably already good at making cabs. And you can make your own cab. That's true. I'm, I'm just looking from a competition sample. I think the real angle here is that you could buy this cab and have a ported cab and not put Tolex on it. Maybe do a light stain or like a light just like clear coat on it and have a ported cab that gives you the sound that you're looking for at a much lower price. Yeah, they're definitely looking at cab only because I'm looking at you have an unloaded option on their website, no additional cost. Uh, WGS ET65 for an additional $79. That's a speaker? Yeah. Or or an Al Nickel Gold for $250. Right. Which those are all street prices. Yeah. So you could buy them yourself and just put whatever you want in there. Yeah. If you've got some janky ass Fender speaker sitting around, right, or a pair of it, like you could do it for thirty dollars, or a pair of old crate speakers you got sitting over there in the old crate. <laughs> That's front ported, by the way. It's a front ported speaker cab. You're welcome. <laughs> I would probably like this speaker cab. I've been a fan of this front ported crate. 
cab that we've had here for a while. Do you still use it? And when I have dinosaur ghost shows, I oh, do. Oh, this should have been my what's new. I've run into Ariel and Mitch twice in the last week. Really? Yeah. Um, together or separately? Together. Whoa. Uh, so, my band members are hanging out without me. So a week and a half ago, I see those two dudes at El Zarape. Oh, okay. Mitch um, lives like across the street from there. Okay. Where does Ariel live? Uh, I forget where he's. I think he's up kind of like by Kettner. Okay. So I, I run into both those dudes at El Zarape because on Wednesdays, Melissa and I drop the kids off at church and then we just go out to dinner. That's uh-huh. that's our routine now. And a lot of times dinner is El Zarape. So we see them there. On our way out, <laughs> I go, I walk in and I go, oh, these two schmucks. <laughs> and Ariel just turns to me and goes, oh, this schmuck. <laughs> that um, sounds about right. So three, four days later, uh, we take the, we take the, fam- I take the family out to. This story is curing your hiccups, Steve. Roll with it. I know. Uh, I take the kids out to Torrey Pines to do a little hiking. And we get down and I uh, take my older kid out to Flat Rock at Torrey Pines. Uh-huh. And she's out there this for like This turned into like a geography podcast. Minutes. I know. That's why I'm running with it because everyone loves geography. Uh-huh. Um, and she's done. So I walk back. And we're, we're getting ready to walk back to our car. And who do I see? Ariel, Mitch, and some girl. Probably Mitch's girlfriend or Mate. Ariel's girlfriend. I don't know. One of something like that. Yeah. But I'm like, I walk up and I'm like, you two guys again? <laughs> really? Like, really? That's funny. Really? Why are you following me? Really? Here's a, I've seen those two guys more frequently in the last week and a half. Than you probably have in like the last yeah, six months. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. We were supposed to play a show and it like never got fully scheduled. Uh, so that didn't happen. And then we had another show scheduled and the original band booking it dropped out. And then uh, Davey, our drummer, was like, uh, I'm leaving town that day now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a geography little side tangent. I got yeah. in an argument with someone, I think, in a gear related group. Over Europe being or not being a continent. What do you say? Is Europe a continent? I hate you. (laughs) So you're going off the tectonic plates argument. Right. Which is that Eurasia, like Europe and Asia are one tectonic plate. But in the Western Hemisphere, North America, Central America, and South America are three different tectonic plates. There's a small tectonic plate between the two. Yeah. And then uh, Australasia, which is Australia and Oceania and some other outlying I look at it from the geological standpoint. Yeah, basically, you're a pedantic dick. (laughs) (laughs) Because I saw that and I was like, Jesus Christ, Ryan, you're on your own. (laughs) Because <laughs> I cannot deal with this. So you right think now. Europe is a continent in what sense? In like a socio-economic in a, in a, sense? So I'm fine with thinking about Europe in like a tradish, traditional in a, sense, in a traditional or in a political sense. I'm 100 percent fine with that. Okay, I'm fine with whatever current. Pol- if the United States buys Mexico, then yeah, welcome to North America, Mexico. You well, but you don't want to call Mexico North America. Actually, I you know I said that prematurely because Mexico is North America. Yeah. 
Central America doesn't start until you hit like Panama. Well, that that little tiny tectonic plate in the middle, mm-hmm. it's just like a strip of like Panama, and then it goes into the Caribbean. Like right, it's, right. It's very small. That's what I'm saying. I'm like Panama, and maybe at most it's like what El Salvador yeah, or Costa like Rica that. or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Like it's not much. And they have volcanoes down there. Oh yeah, which yeah, is, is, yeah. You know, well, and, and that's very the whole, telling. That's the whole thing for us as as um, as. M- citizens of the united states of america uh that's what makes tectonic plates interesting maybe is the word sure is that you rate like what what volcano is there in scotland right what volcano they have have volcanoes up in like iceland and stuff yeah once you get really far like further north yeah but like you know what volcano is like we have a volcano in our state you pronounce it weird Volcano? Volcano. Volcano? I say volcano. Volcano? I, I'm just... I'm, dude. We've gone squarely into geography I, podcasting. I posted, I posted an Instagram tonight of what's been going on, so uh-huh. people will, under, will understand. Oh, man. Um, but Mount Whitney's a volcano. Yeah. Like, every, every large mountain in our state is a volcano. No. Every large mountain. No. Shasta. Wait, Mount Whitney is not actually a volcano. Is it not? No, now okay. I think about it. I don't know. It. No, it's not. All right, I lied. The, you have the whole Sierra Nevada mountain range, which is just plates pushing together. They're not there's volcanoes along that, but the the big mountains are not volcanoes. All right, you've got a you got a, your fancy cabin on the Sierra Nevada. <laughs> so so I've spent a lot of time I, in that area. I will give this one to you. Okay. There are volcanoes around there, but they're very distinct when you see them. They're big yeah. red cones. I'll, I'll say broadly, like we we live on the west side of the or on the east side of the Pacific Rim, so volcanoes is a thing that we do. The e- we're on the east. Side oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We yeah, we know okay. about volcanoes. Right yeah, now. yeah. It's, it's um, dinner table conversation. So so tectonic plates. I've do we saw- want to try to tackle this? Add more. Or are we done with it? <laughs> what. The, the Jackson cab ad. I this think, so I think sl- we're done. This is so sloppy. <laughs> no, Steve. Steve had a medical emergency of hiccups in the middle of this. And then we went into geography podcasting. Let's see if we can save this show. What do you say, Steve? Yeah, landmark pedals. <laughs> Who asked this question? Even Joe Brand, probably. No, should have been Joe. Steve. How do you feel after you've defeated slash lost to me? We don't know if that happened. We recorded this episode. That's in the why I chose both options. Oh my gosh! Oh man, I got to get back to the 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 post to see who asked this. Oh, while did we're you doing this? The, hold on, while we're doing this, ah, um, screw it, I can't remember. In two oh six, I forgot to forgot to do housekeeping. Oh yeah, housekeeping. Let's do it. Yeah. So I want to thank one Dave Lee. Who you confused the crap out of me? Yeah, I was like, get, wait, why is our friend David Lee joining our group? Yeah, it turns out there's another Dave Lee who lives in the UK. Um, so I hope you stay in the group more than two months because shipping is going to be a pain in my ass. <laughs> uh, but no, for real, welcome. Uh, thank you, thank you for supporting us through uh, our inner circle level through Patreon. Oh wow, cool. Yeah, uh, which. What's how I figured out because I knew that the David Lee that we know would not be listening to guitar nerds. 
Um, so, so welcome to the group. And uh, our other supporter at the $1 level is Fat Foot Effects. Um, I actually still don't know the name of the guy who works for them because on the signatures, it just says Digger. And Digger is a really badass name. It is. But it also just seems like something you would assign your, uh, like, um, your, uh, Search engine optimization to be called is Digger. Right, right. Right. Um, so uh, Fat Foot Effects, they've sponsored... I think they've sponsored us before. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. Yeah, they do the uh, Thallium 81, which is a... Yeah, yeah, they did sponsor Which us. is a hard-clipping uh, distortion overdrive pedal. Uh, check them out, fatfooteffects.com. Um, so he is supporting us at the $1 level, and... And to our listeners, we've said before, like $1 sounds like nothing. But if everyone who listened to this subscribed oh, for $1, at least Ryan could retire. Not retire, but it was like, there's a lot we could do with that kind yeah, of yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. $1 is great. And and we've always said this. I'd say that if every everyone who listened to us so like subscribed at the dollar level we would have our own studio and we wouldn't be recording in my garage. I'd, I, I'd, I'd get us a studio somewhere like in a business park and we'd have, you know, like a permanent like video stage and we'd have like a permanent podcasting place. I would say that if everyone who listened to this show, um, subscribed at the $1 level, Pledged at the one dollar. I would have to ask myself and everyone else a question, and that question would be: Now, who's hot? Who's not? Tell me who rock, who sell out in the stores. Tell me who flopped, who copped the blue drop, who jewels got robbed, who's mostly goldie down. To the tube sock, same old pimp, Mace. You ain't nothing changed but my limp. Can't stop till I see my name on a blimp. Guarantee a million sales pulling all the love. Are we, we still doing a guitar this podcast? This is Mo Money Problems by Notorious B.I.G. Okay. Because if every person who listened to you this should... episode pledged $1 a month, we would have Mo Money Mo Problems. I think you should have skipped to the chorus or something. <laughs> I'm coming up. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, dude. This, this episode's off the rails. Love it. Speaking of giving us money, I think now's a good time to uh, officially announce that if there's any left, the uh, the 50-50 is open for sale again. Yeah. We got a big box of them on the day that we recorded this episode. Uh, first dibs was open to the inner circle. And if there are any left, we'll let you guys know in the Facebook group today. If you want one, uh, please hit us up. 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. I look at every single email personally. If you send us a Facebook message or an Instagram message, like you want to slip into my DMs, I get it, but I don't really look at that. It's hard to check Facebook direct messages. It kind of is. It yeah, kind of it's is. It's kind of tricky and they get away from us pretty quick. So email so is the way to go. Email is the way to go because again, I almost with 100% certainty will see it unless Ryan screws it up yeah and it's easy to screw it up all right let's get in the rest of this episode steve needs to get out of here he's wrecked oh right gosh. now uh this next uh topic was sent to us by a person yeah i couldn't find it i don't know where i got this topic from really yeah 
I was relying on you, bro. I was cruising around in, in our topic uh, post, and I couldn't find it in there. But anyway, um, someone short asked... Short version is, some yeah, somebody asked um, that the DL40... Actually, who... What, oh, what website it was, was it? It was on that uh, that post about the DL40. There was an article that came out about it. The DL4. Oh, my gosh. He's showing me the picture of all his drinking leavings. Um, Dude, Joel Corte approves. Uh, so there was an article that came out recently about the DL4, not DL40, yeah, by Line 6 being like the landmark pedal of its decade. And so someone mm-hmm. asked, what are the landmark pedals of all the decades? Sure. I mean, we got to go back to the 60s because that's where fuzz starts, right? Mm-hmm. And then we can work our way forward into now this is or we could cover the future this this is a historical problem okay i wasn't alive in the 60s no but like there were so few pedals in the 60s that we can easily say that like the maestro fuzz tone was like a landmark okay it was like it it brought fuzz into the market it brought that sound so, into so, pop culture. So I so the the issue is that this was sent by Michael Weekend. Oh, you did find it. Yeah, he says landmark pedals by decade. This was actually a good write up on the DL4 by Pitchfork. So this is how expansive of, of a topic this is. Yeah, Pitchfork that wrote Pitchfork about it. actually wrote about it, talking about it. Said the headline is the Line Six DL4 is quietly the most important guitar pedal of the last twenty years. I do not disagree with them. Because with, sure. without the DL4, I don't think you necessarily have the... Um, oh, gosh. How is this going to relate to Jimmy Eat World? The, <laughs> it is. The, the emo slash post-hardcore revolution of the, of revolution. the late 90s slash late 2000s. Sure, sure. Because whatever you want to say about the creepers that are in brand new or the guys that, um, that everyone loves right now in Manchester Orchestra... Um, that was like a lot of alt and and what eventually became post rock, born out of the late nineties and early two thousands. That was all made capable by the Line Six DL Four. Yeah, I, there was a time where like you couldn't go to a show without seeing these on stage for every show. Like everyone was using them. They're just really fantastic live tools like there's um, just a lot of cool things you could do in, with the line in this article they name radiohead mm-hmm. andrew bird deer hunter bill frizzell i don't know who, oh uh, of the band noveler uh and battles all of these different bands that did dl4 you know who else might have a dl4 if i'm remembering correctly is um reggie watts oh he absolutely does yeah like so, you can see him using it all the time I definitely the DL4 is a generational pedal. I have seen like people using it just for like its loop features, right? In like really tiny, small indie shows where I've just been like, I can't believe they're using it for that. That's like so crazy that it makes that sound. The, the it only is, reason it the is the only reason I incredible. bought the only reason I bought a D5, which I actually, for what it's worth, guys. Look on Reverb. Maybe you might find my store. I will be selling my DD5 this year. Oh, wow. Uh, which is really scary. With a tap tempo that has a barefoot button on it. There you go. Um, but the only reason I bought a DD5 is because the bands that I were into 
were using DD5s before they bought DL4s. Right, right. Oh, the, the big problem with the DL4 is that it's so huge. Like sure. it's not friendly to modern pedal But boards. in the age of the big sky and the timeline, is it really that big? It really isn't. Uh, it's also just like if you use it for its loop features, it's like it's got to be a certain size no matter what. Um, sure. What was I going to say? I don't and know. also like in that time when it really came into its own, pedal boards weren't that big of a deal. You would see the DL4 next to the amp foot switch and maybe like a tuner and one other pedal. Yeah, like they just kind of were their own pedal board in a lot of ways, and the, the people used them to work with their amps. Uh, man, I thought I had a direction to go with this, but now I can't remember. I don't know. Um, we were slop city. This well, episode. so this is interesting because I'm looking at the Pitchfork article. Uh, George Trips from Way Huge mm-hmm. uh, was actually brought into Line Six to do the DM4, the FM4, the MM4, and the DL4. That's crazy. So, like, literally, they brought him in just to do their entire multi effects line in the mid or late '90s, early 2000s, because uh-huh. all of those came out at the same time, right around what. 2003, 2004? Somewhere in there. And none of those other multi-effects ones, like the, the modulation and the distortion and you know whatever, did as well as the yeah. DL4. I've seen the modulation one come up as like pretty decent value, but the DL4 was definitely uh, a quick emerger as the flagship yeah. Oh, now I remember what I was going to say. I'm, I've been thinking for a long time of putting together a pedal board that's all just big pedals. And oh it's, right! It's got me thinking that I'd get a DL4 just for that because I have a big, I have that big Dan Electro Spring Reverb, and I put a, a delay after that, and then I need to get a really big fuzz and like a really big overdrive, and a tiny little tuner. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> all right, so so that's on, that's on my mind. So right if now. we think by decade, I think sixties are easy. Sixties are easy. You think Maestro fuzz? Maestro fuzz. And then in the 70s, things get more complicated. Is 70s the Big Muff? By 70s, 70s, you got Big Muff. Uh, a fuzz face has been invented by then. So maybe you could even count the fuzz face in the 60s. Mm, okay. Uh, because that's, you know, like the Hendrix effect, basically. And, you know, but I think that just the origination of the fuzz in the 60s is big enough to say just maestro or fuzz in general. Like that was the effect. Mm. And then in the 70s, things really explode then you start getting all like the like modulations envelope filters you know all sorts of stuff like that delay pedals weren't a thing yet no time based really. time based pedals weren't a thing but you had phasers you had uh, uh you had wah you had more variations of the fuzz things like that uh, but if we had to pick one pedal to really represent the 70s what do you think it would be i'm gonna say wah I'm going to really? say why, like, is the 70s pedal of my choice. What would you choose? I think that's that's fair. Something like wah or like an envelope I filter. Think, I think wah came out of the 60s, too. It's not about when it comes out of. It's about if it defined the, the sound of that decade. Let's say that. I think the 70s are kind of like what's going on right now where you listen to music and you're like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> This episode, I can't believe how bad this episode is. Oh, the 70s are like, now you're just like, what is happening? Steve, what are you talking about? No, no, no. I mean, um, 
there was a lot going on in the 70s. Like you couldn't, it'd be really hard to boil the 70s down to one effect. Where like you, I could look at the 80s and be like rack mounted digital delay and chorus. Right. Like dimension C all day long. No, I agree. I agree. But like 70s is like, you could almost make a case that like treble booster is the defining effect of the 70s the range master because it's all it's all about just hitting amps as hard as you can that's fair and you think about like that sound you know i think there was a lot a lot of amp sound it kind of depends on what side of the 70s you're thinking totally and what i'm saying with with what like i I was saying i was saying walkers i was thinking funk but then you think about the the rock landscape, and that didn't have a lot of wine. Well, that's the problem. Is is as far as pedals go, like there's a very broad landscape. Yeah. Um, for the '80s, I want to say the uh, TC twenty two ninety, which was the uh, the effect rack unit, the delay that the Edge used. Okay. Um, that's what I'm leaning towards. That's fair. Yeah, I'm just going to say Dimension C as my answer for the 80s. Like, just that perfect, like, like glassy chorus tone. I mean, I guess. It was all for everything in the 80s. and then It, not- it definitely was. I mean, I bought, this was years ago, and I know I've talked about this before, but I got one of those um, Ibanez, uh, I think it was the CS9. Okay one of their compact stereo it was a stereo chorus um and that thing i could every time i plugged it in i was like i should be playing police riffs yeah yeah (laughs) nothing else just the police yeah totally no other bands or sounds just the police very 80s yeah what about the 90s 90s, I just any distortion box, literally oh. any distortion box is the sound of the 90s. A DS1, uh, during that time, they were calling muffs distortions, like, oh, it's right, not a fuzz, right, it's right. a distortion, guys, it's a distortion, we swear. But muffs were a big sound of the 90s, being used in a distortion sort of way. Um, you know, anything in that kind of range was a big deal in the 90s, like any box that could get you just clipped into a hard square wave was the sound. Uh, there wasn't a lot going on otherwise. Like it was just all about getting like a hard grind on a radio song that was kind of grungy but poppy enough for everyone to enjoy right. it. <laughs> Speaking of kind of poppy but or kind of grungy but poppy enough that anyone could enjoy it, I listened to a Bush album this week. You listened to a Bush album? Yeah, the whole the thing. The whole thing. The whole Which thing. one? Um. I don't remember the name of the album, but it's, it was one of their later ones. It was the one that had The Chemicals Between Us. Oh, okay. And Letting the Cable Sleep. Yeah. And um, I listened to it because Letting the Cable Sleep is one of my all-time favorite songs. Interesting. Um, and The Chemicals Between Us is a fun song, I think. Mm-hmm. Nothing else on that album is worth listening nope, to. Nope. I forget the name of that album, but the, the previous um, one was the one that has like Listerine and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the one and before that, that, that was a, that's uh, was, a hit machine. Like that, that yeah, album has a bunch of hits on it. Yeah, but uh in my Which head Which are all really dumb if in, you go back and listen to it. In them. my head I really wanted to hear the chemicals between or not I wanted to hear Letting the Cable Sleep. I I really love that song. Uh huh. I think as far as slow ballady rock songs go from the nineties, that is v- at the top of my list 
But when that album started, until I until I hit the chemicals between us, I was like, "What is going on? <laughs> like this is just it's not even like good post grunge, right? Like I'd rather listen to Creed." Oh gosh, that's even it was worse. awful. Yeah, it was just like nonsense. So, what do you think for the two thousands? Are we just going to say DL four for that? Because that's what we. I mean, that's about. what we started with. So it's either DL four or some kind of like whatever. I'm post- totally comfortable saying that the, the DL four whatever kind of grungy semi distortion. Because you, when you think of distortion, it's like. Well, it's not really rat because rat is naturally rat pedals tend to be like have this natural mid scoop that lend themselves. Well, to rat the 80s. I would push into an eighties exactly because yeah. then you're pushing like hair metal. So, so then are you just stuck with picking DS ones because that's what Nirvana used? Are we talking about the nineties right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we're talking about distortions. No, I'm I'm saying DS one. Uh, I'm just saying distortion in general. DS one, big muffs, turbo distortions. Uh, whatever distortion Ibanez had out at the time, stuff like that, you know? And then, of course, you've got the big, uh, you know, like blues revival, like Stevie Ray Vaughan thing going That's on true. in the 80s where the Tube Screamer just became hot, hot ticket, you know? The, People weren't really thinking about it that much until the 80s. Yeah. Well, the Tube Screamer didn't exist until 1979. Yeah. So it's not like there was a lot. Well, when did SRV die? Like 92 or something like that or 91? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, and so after that, then, like, Tube Screamers are just legendary. But even, I, I would say, I think in the 80s, they were a thing. Yeah. But not as much of a thing as other things that were happening. Right. But that was still, so, I mean. Well, like, in the 80s, it, it's like, there was a Tube Screamer. Right. And then right, in right. The, in coming into the 90s, it's like, let's see how many of these we can make. Yeah, it, you kind of have this this oscillation of, like, Tube Screamers, and then. And then more tube screamers, and it's just kind of the cycle of what people are into. Right, right. So, what about the two thousands? I'm fine saying DL four for the two thousands. Mm. Uh, I can't think of any like drive or dirt pedal that would define the two thousands. I definitely think that's fair. I think no matter what you listen to, um, you were looking for a delay. Yeah, and the DL four is definitely the most. Um, broadly applicable delay that was on the market. It also fit into like what people's rigs were like in the 2000s, you know? Like they're kind of more simple pedal boards. Sure. And, you know, more like rigs that you would pack into your backpack or your gig bag and stuff like that. It's funny because, so the DL4 I think was 250. Uh-huh. Um, it back, seemed back like in the day. such an extravagant thing to get. Right. And, and so I, the only reason I've never owned a DL4 is because I was like, oh, that price point is so far. But Everything's now, 250 now. Like, as an adult, I'm like, eh. Like, there are a few pedals on the market right now that are like in the two to $300 range where I'm like, could I convince my wife that like it's okay for me to do this? You just want to sell a couple things and I then wanna, you get it. You I want to tell her what I was buying. I'd just be right. like, hey, look, like uh, you bought a couple pair of shoes last month. So uh, I'm going to buy this other thing. Yeah. What about now? What Guys, about- look, my wife sells her shoes off when she's done with them. Don't give me crap about this. <laughs> what about the 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 20-teens? Like, could, I don't could we know. say like... I feel like we could say that the Klon clone kind of ruled a lot of... 
the early 20 teens on the pedal side but as far as music as big picture goes music is nonsense yeah there's just it's all over the map like you could make any you could use anything there's no like big gear trend really as far as i see it well i i think i think guitar nerds referenced it best when they when one of their top 5 for 2017 was the James Valentine from Sterling um who James Valentine is the guitar player for Maroon 5 and he's probably a great guitar player right um but Maroon 5 is a nonsense band where you go and they even said this on their show James Valentine is basically a studio musician right who happens to have a signature guitar because he's in a multi million dollar band right because the reality is, is that like when I listen to a Maroon Five song, you don't hear guitar. I can't find the guitar. Right. It it's I want. It's a pop song and it's a super heavy produced. Like in right, your, right. You're hearing the electronic drum and you know samples right. above. I don't want to say it's noise because it's definitely catchy and I definitely right. want to hear it again. But it's like it's like any pop song. Like everything's pretty buried in there under the vocals yeah. as it is, you yeah. know, the beat and the vocals fill every second of it. And then everything else is, is background. Right. That's, that's beyond fair. Right. Right. Um, and I think in a big picture, if I think about the 2010s, I feel like the, the, effect or whatever of that decade might be like something really dumb maybe not, dumb is a bad word um but something like the jesus morning glory <laughs> i mean i i think you could make a case that in the 20 teens smaller builders and what was considered boutique builders really took off and so i think you could take the morning glory and definitely use it as uh, an example, right? I would, of I like would a say, pedal that took off. To, to say something broadly, the effect of the 2017s was the internet, or the 2010s was the internet. Yeah, because every year it was something drastically different. Yeah, there's nothing that you can it's look trend, back to and be like, chasing. oh, yeah. It's like if you if you bought a Dimension C in 1981, you're going to use that thing the whole decade. You're riding chorus. Right, the whole decade. Right. You buy a, a turbo distortion in '92. You're gonna use that thing the whole decade. Oh yeah, you're gonna spend at least eight years writing, writing Nirvana cover songs. And now everything is is so like fad oriented. Like like people are just grabbing new stuff all the time. And it's not really fads. It's just like it's so easy to discover new gear and new sounds now. It's really hard to pin down what is like a piece of gear that's getting used a lot because there's just a lot to choose from and everything is getting used. Yeah. And, and broadly, I've been, I feel like I've been saying broadly a lot. I'd say that the, the thing about, and it sounds like we've been saying that music is chaos now and this, it's hard to pin down, but I'd say that the 20 teens are a decade where guitarists became more mature in their playing. And it wasn't all about just, Let's see how much distortion I can blast into a big amp. Okay. And it's more about like, let's see how I can fit into the mix of this song without being another like obvious guitar part. Right. I was getting ready to argue with you, uh -huh. but I can agree with that point. Um, I think 
I think music has shifted for sure. Yeah. I think people are looking for that that special something. There's just not an audience for some dude who's going to like lay down a guitar solo throughout a song and then have a louder solo. Right. Like right. in the back half of it. Uh, you, to be a guitarist in a band now, you have to be a more connected part of the whole composition where you're like, you're in there the whole time, but it's not necessarily, you're not on top of the mix, mm-hmm. You're but you're perfectly in the mix, if that makes sense. There's no big like, like slashes now or like Van Halen's now where it's like, right. whoa, he's, that's the, it's the band, but he's the guy. He's just like, doodly, doodly, you know, like. We got to hear like every note he plays, yeah, because that's the yeah. that's the attraction. Well, and it's just kind of like crazy, or even going back to like of thing. the grungy, punky stuff in in the nineties and even the the early two thousands, where it's like the front of the band is a guy just ham fisting fisting power chords, right? You know, it's a lot less. It's a lot more subtle now. It's less obvious. And I think that's where a lot of these uh, very specialized pedals and like boutique pedals have found a niche. And it's like someone like really trying to do more specific things and really trying to exploit a, a tighter pocket in the mix of their mm-hmm. band. Where it's like, you know, in the 90s, the loudest, craziest distortion you could find as loud as you can get it. And that's the sound of your band. It, it is a weird thing to think about. Um, is that like last was it last year or two years ago? Uh, Fender put out the Biffy Cleo stuff. Have you ever listened to Biffy Cleo? No, me neither. I don't know and, what that is. And so, like, is I that f- a person or a band? It's a band. Okay. I feel like some of these brands are trying to grab onto like kind of independent or smaller bands and and promote them up to being like sig- signature artists. And and for me, like, I don't know who these people are. Yeah. And that's the problem. because we're adult men, Steve. We're not teenagers or 20-somethings. Right, but I'm saying, like, that band is not a band that I listen to. They don't even have radio airplay. Right. Um, you know, there are certain artists, like, if there was a um, a black, whatever the guy from the Black Keys was, like, signature model. Right. Like, Dan Arbach? Yeah, Dan a- Auerbach. Auerbach. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he had a signature model, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. But or, he's so know, into like vintage stuff. Like, is that right, even possible? Right. Yeah. Or like uh, the guy from uh, the Arctic Monkeys, if he had something like right, that. Right. Like, okay, that's cool. Um, or uh, I'm going to, I feel like I'm throwing up in my mouth a little. The guy from whoever the guitar player is from Imagine Dragons. Okay. Like, if he had one, you know, like whatever, I guess we'd talk about it. But. Yeah. If you listen to them, like, I'm sorry you have bad taste in music. Yeah, I, I really don't like Imagine Dragons. Uh, but Ryan, it's radioactive. <laughs> um, oh gosh, they, I hate that song. So they've much. got a couple songs that I really like, and they've got like a, more than a couple songs that I really hate. It's every song I've ever heard from them sounds like, oh guys, let's intentionally write a song to be the end credit song for like a really terrible like uh, teen disaster movie. Yeah, like Hunger Games or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, agreed. It's um, like a very specific sound, and that's all they do. Yeah. Um, With just so, the worst lyrics. It's just <laughs> the worst. Um, so the, there's... 
It's like they I, might as well be recapping a movie when they're with their lyrics. I guess why I listen. So Van Halen was like a pop culture sensation. Uh, Slash was a pop culture pop culture sensation. Like these different guys, even you know Kurt Cobain. Technically, the Jack Sting is not a Kurt Cobain signature model, right? But he was a pop culture sensation. Like I just don't see that anymore. Well, I think you have a lot of this stuff going on with like. It, it is it's not in the pop culture, but like in the the gen, in the, the gen, in the gent scene and in like math rock scene. Sure, I, th- I think there's a lot going on there, where that I don't follow. But it seems like there's all these signature models that cater to that. But those tend to be on like brands that you expect to cater to that. Sure, you know when ESP rolls out something or Ibanez rolls out. Who who is it that does is it Ibanez that has the Misha Mansoor model? I don't know. Like that doesn't surprise me because that's what they do. And yeah. and I get that. Even and even that dude like Misha Mansoor is a name that I recognize from the band Animals as, le- as leaders. But like James Valentine, like I hear Maroon Five on the radio, but I gotta look up who he is. Right, right. Let's wrap this up. I'm tired of talking about it. Let's hit the last ad. Wait, and get out do of we here. have no landmark pedal of the twenty teens yet? We were talking about that. It, we were saying that, that it's too hard to pin down. I think you have to kind of look at these in retrospective too, though. Yeah, I really you still do. think. I really still think that like retrospective pedal of the twenty tens. The the hold on, I got it. Korg Miku. Oh my gosh! No, I really think like the rise of like the Klon clone, like says a lot about our decade that we're in yeah but there's not one that's what i'm saying though it's all of them it's all of them it's that it's the whole scene okay it's a scene of effects it was like oh if you make effects you make this you make a version of this you know and everyone makes versions of things and then they have originals that are mixed in all right let's tackle this last ad it's so important and it's so good it was sent to us by spencer hyam yeah, it's a lot of 60-plus use recorders. By recorders, you mean the little blowy tube flute things, yeah. right? Oh, These man. These are all previously used, and they are in a wide variety of colors and conditions. They are not fancy and do, not, and do show signs of use. Gross. Yeah, really gross. Uh, but still a great deal. $50 cash for the whole lot. Um, I will say, uh, so this is for recorders, like the little fluty crap thing. Yeah. The little blow tubes that you fill with your spit and then you throw it away at the end of elementary school. I will say for 60 plus for $50, like I could dump this in a bucket of bleach for a week. You think it doesn't matter how much you sterilize them. You're never going to use them all. And you're still going to have to try to flip used recorders they're not for one, you they're, one at a time they're not for you they're for your uh your for your 103c or corporation recorders can't be that much money just buy new recorders they're, they're, they're like 10 bucks a piece dude this worth the money to get fresh recorders every kid that takes you know music class in elementary school just get them a fresh recorder. Like, don't pass along spit tubes to like kids. Like, gross. Just think, you if gross. Like, even like a trumpet, you change 
the mouthpiece, and it's got a spit valve so you can drain it. There's no spit valve on a recorder. You don't change the mouthpiece. You just change. You maybe drain the spit valve. You can change the mouthpiece on a trumpet. You could, but it's like you. you but that's money, money. But it's still like that's more like you're more likely to get a good sterilization on it than a plastic recorder that some kid has chewed notches into. The chewing part is the part that really grosses me out. You could bleach, like I said, you could bleach these. No, there's got to be some sort of school supply where you can get the cheapest plastic recorders for a buck fifty each. I don't believe for a minute that this is worthwhile. It's too gross. This is less than a dollar a piece, Ryan. I know, but it's like at what cost? At what cost, Steve? So what I'm hearing right now is that you would not buy that for a dollar. I would not buy that for a dollar. Gross. I don't know. I, 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 the thing about this ad that makes me sad is it, it makes me think that another middle school music department was shut down. That's probably what happened or like a private school or something like that. Or they said, Hey, look at all, look at all our dirty, disgusting used recorders that are all chewed to bits. You think we should try to squeeze another year out of these? No, let's put them on Craigslist and try to make our money back on recorders. I got a recorder when I was in elementary school. They just gave it to me. They're like, never bring this back to us. This is yours now. And it was an okay recorder, but I there's cheap ones out an there. An okay recorder? It was there, okay. Do bad recorders It felt like exist? it was made out of decent plastic. It was like one of the thicker plastic ones. Oh. Yeah. That makes it fancy. <laughs> I feel like schools need to retire the recorder program. Like, I get it. I get that it's simple and it's easy to use. But... I think they, and you don't have to tune it, but you might as well just give kids kazoos, right? Uh, you got a few more notes. Yeah, I guess you're fingering notes and stuff like that, but there's got to be something else that's better, like a keyboard. Get kids like the cheapest Casio keyboard and be like, here you go. You don't have to but blow they, spit into like it. But like you said, you, they're probably buying these at like five, three, four, yeah, but five a key, dollars a piece. But you can, you can fill a room with keyboards and say these just live at the school like you're not taking this I home yes but the what about whole... ukuleles you can get a ukulele on amazon for 40 bucks that's true and but it's super easy to learn I'm, again and the kids are, love them these recorders are probably like five ten bucks so that's like i still say buck 50 20 percent a buck 50 Okay, you convinced me recorders are the best musical instrument. I must say they're the best musical instrument. Invented. I'm going to search around for an electric recorder so I can use it I'm just saying it it's effects. a pipe with some holes drills in it. Yeah. So that makes it really cheap. Yeah. All right, let's get out and of here. And plus, with a recorder, you can play On the Wings of Love. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, you're just going to cr- play Hot Cross Buns over and over again. Hot Cross Buns. Hot Cross Buns. <laughs> One a penny, two a penny, hot cross buns. Uh, all right. This episode was brought to you by Sinusoid Couture. Is that how we say Pro. Pro Audio Couture. They make cables. And smiles. There we go. <laughs> They're going to make you think there's a snake behind you. They're the great American cable company. They're going to get scurred uh, and, and, and fall into a coma. They bring you 
awesome content like you experienced in this very episode today. And also sometimes <sighs> on the Gear Slum, but Yeah, not. sometimes they sponsor the Gear Slum. You know, whatever. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have a song, Steve? Yeah, this week's song was kind of sent to us by Brendan Williams. Hopefully he sends it. He says, hey guys, long-time listener, and I'd love to submit a song for the end of the podcast. Do you prefer it as a streamable link or downloadable? Any other requirements? Thanks. Yeah, we got to be able to download it. Uh, so I don't know if this is my fault or your fault, but nobody replied to him until tonight. Well, hopefully we get the song for this episode. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. If not, I, I'll I, play something else. It's all our fault. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh, later, guys. Bye.